G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. Byron had been unwell for a little while and so had been through a series of checkups and that sort of thing. And the specialist diagnosed Byron within minutes, really, and said, mm. You've got a cancer that is growing in your throat. And from there, we found out that it was stage four inoperable. And so the journey began. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today we're going to hear how pastors Byron and Anne Graham have gone through their share of health challenges in life, with Byron in particular having had several close calls with death. As a matter of fact, they got the bad news that Anne's mother was diagnosed with cancer. At the same time, Byron was in the hospital being treated for cancer. But through it all, God has been working in their lives and helping them to overcome. Byron and Anne are chatting with Shelley Scowen. Tell us about the challenges that you faced in your family growing up. Yes, well, it was a, a challenging upbringing in the sense that uh, both of my parents were alcoholics and uh, tragically they died that way uh, in age 55 and 52. Wow. Um, so they died young of, of that disease. And growing up in that household, really poor, we, you know, we just uh, basically dragged ourselves up and... Uh, and then, of course, you follow the same pattern, and it wasn't long but at a young age. I, I actually you know, got into the alcohol myself, and uh, it grabbed a hold of my life. Mm. So how did you get out of it then? Well, uh, it was when we found Jesus Christ. Um, we were, I wasn't even looking for God uh, at all, but a mate of mine became a Christian. And, of course, he told me all about God, and I really wasn't interested uh, I was happy living that, that lifestyle. But I thought if I said that prayer, then I could get him off my back and tell him that it didn't work and it's good for him, but, you know, I, didn't, I don't need it. Huh. Um, and so one Saturday morning in my house, I just said, God, if you're real, you show me, and I'm in 100%. And within uh, a very short period of time, a matter of days, uh, uh, the alcohol was just taken out of my body. I couldn't drink anymore. I, I could drink anything else but alcohol. Wow. And uh, my body would convulse and vibrate, and the pain was so bad because I kept trying to drink because I didn't want to stop. But the pain was so bad that uh, I ended up giving up, and I thought, well, there must be something in this Christian thing. Wow. So I guess that's uh, something that you recommend to other people then that are still on that journey towards Christ. You recommend for them to just call out to God and make himself real to them? Absolutely. Um, it, it worked for me. I would never have accepted Jesus Christ if he hadn't have demonstrated uh, who he was. I mean, I, I'd seen religion. I'd seen the bad side of religion, and that wasn't attractive at all. Mm. But when I found Jesus Christ, I mean, when he touched my life so powerfully, how could I deny it? Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it, there's verses in the Bible that say, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You know, seek God and he will make himself known. So it it literally is that simple. Hey, praying a prayer and even the likes of, you know, what you did was almost a bit of a skeptical thing. Hey, God, if you're out there, then prove yourself. Um, and God did. Yeah, well, I was just trying to get my friend off my back. Mm. He, he kept witnessing to me all the time and drove me crazy. <laughs> I thought this will just get him off my back, but it turned out to actually be the the linchpin that turned my whole life and family and generations around. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, here you are now serving as the senior pastor of a a major church on the Gold Coast and have been doing so for over 20 years. At what point did you decide to go to Bible college then? Well, I was only a believer for probably eight months, and I think... That next Sunday, we woke up and uh, I said, Nan, I said, I think we're Christians now. We probably should find a church. <laughs> um, and so we started that church journey, which was incredibly new to us. And um, I, I was sitting in a meeting one night. I was living in Western Australia, actually, in Perth. Um, we'd sold our house at Alexandra Hills and moved over to Perth. I was working over there, earning big money um, up in Geraldton. And um, and I flew back home to, to empty the house out, we'd sold it, and I sat in a meeting in a church service one Sunday night and I actually heard an audible voice uh, for the first time in my life. I, I, I'd not, I didn't, it shocked me. And it was simply the voice that said, I want you to go to college. Mm. And I, I thought there was somebody else talking to me or the preacher was talking to me or someone, but it was actually the voice of God. Wow, so it doesn't get a whole lot more clear than that. You knew that that was definitely God's direction. Yes, but it, uh, it you know, it was uh, a long time after that before I actually entered yeah. the ministry. Really? Why is that? Yeah. Were you purposely running or was it just kind of circumstance? No, no, I, I didn't know a lot about it. I went to Bible college, but when I came out, I just knew that I wanted to do what God wanted. I just didn't want to do something and race ahead and do something and do it in my strength. Yeah. And so we were offered churches. Anne and I were offered churches throughout the state, you know, to, to go and pastor them. and, and uh, But we just didn't feel it was God was in that. And so we just waited and waited. And, and I think God had a lot of work to do in my life to, to prepare me for that next stage. Mm. Well, there you are, pastoring away, and uh, it's obviously has been growing and growing and growing. But uh, maybe, Anne, this is where you might be able to take over some of this story because uh, 2008 hit, and there was one day in particular that was pretty devastating for the whole family. But for you personally, it was a full-on day. Tell us about that one day. Well, it was a day like no other. Um, it, it was 2008 and uh, Byron had been unwell for a little while and, and so had been through a series of checkups and that sort of thing. Been in India and rang me from India and just said, something's not right and when I get back from India, I, I need to see somebody because there's clearly something going on in my throat. So I made an appointment, he flew in from India that same day, got off the plane, went straight to our GP, GP um, organised a specialist appointment the very next day 
And really then the process started from there. They, the specialist decided that he would need a, a biopsy and the specialist diagnosed Brian within minutes really and said, mm. you've got a cancer that is growing in your throat. And so um, a biopsy was organised and from there we found out that it was stage four. Stage four inoperable cancer wow. growing in his throat. And so the journey began from there, really. Yeah. yeah. So tell us more about this stage four then. If it's inoperable, are there still treatment options? Well, there was. And, and the, the treatment option for Byron was chemotherapy, radiation. And we were warned that it was going to be of the most severe kind, they, the types of drugs that they wanted to use on him to save his life, we were told that were some of the most potent on the planet and wow. that some people did not survive the treatment. And and so we knew that we were in for a, a really rough ride. We, yeah. we knew that our lives would be altered somewhat. And, and that day that he got the diagnosis, we, we got in the car and it was... I, I don't think we said too much to each other driving driving away from the doctor's appointment. It was fairly silent in the car, really. I think you don't really know what to think, what to feel, what life is about to look like. You you have no idea what the journey uh, would, would bring to you. We just knew, I, in my head, I was thinking, I need to call a family meeting, let all, the, all our kids know we've got three children, son and two daughters. So that was on my mind. And then I knew that I would have to contact our church leadership team, our board, and uh, which all of that was organised. And then I knew with Sunday approaching um, that we would tell the church. And so, you know, the, the process began, not to mention the fact that we were getting ourselves ready for um, all of the hospital appointments, the doctor's appointments, and everything that comes with these massive times in somebody's life. We had no idea. I mean... I've now got, we've both got a, a, an incredible amount of respect for people who go through these kinds of stories. Yeah. It, is, it is a very uh, big, big journey and it's life-altering. But on the same day, Byron was ordered to have a, um, a biopsy done at one of our Gold Coast hospitals and that was done on a Monday. And when they were wheeling him out of the operating room where they'd taken a biopsy, and, and the reason for that was to determine what type of cancer it was and what stage it was. And just as his gurney was going past me in the hospital corridor with him semi-conscious because they'd given him some mild sedatives to do a, to do a biopsy, my mobile phone rang and it was my sister on the end of the phone telling me that our mother had been diagnosed with mouth, tongue, jaw, and throat cancer at exactly the same time. Wow. And so I said to my sister, um, Look, just give me a few minutes because I wanted to see where they were taking Byron and what room they were setting him up in. So I hung up for my sister, followed them down the corridor, watched to see what room he was going in, and they were getting him settled. And then I went, I went downstairs to um, ring my sister to find out what was happening with our mother. So she was going through aggressive cancer as well uh, so she was in a, a Brisbane hospital and Byron was um, in a Gold Coast hospital
you're listening to The Story. Today, Shelley Scowen is chatting with pastors Byron and Anne Graham from the Gold Coast. And as we just heard, things were pretty full on for Anne, as within a day or two, she faced the very real possibility of losing both her husband and her mother to cancer. We'll find out what happens next when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're continuing with Shelley Scowen chatting with pastors Byron and Anne Graham from the Gold Coast. Before the break, we heard how Anne was facing the very real possibility of losing both her husband and her mother to cancer. Now we're going to find out the impact this was having on Anne. Oh, it's, there's, it's very difficult to explain how you felt in a moment like that. I think I just moved into action mode to some degree. It was, it was like, what do we need to do next? What, whatever we need to do, you just do it. And I don't know whether I gave a lot of thought to what that looks like. It was just we're, so much happens. But life becomes so full at that time because there's a lot of appointments set up for you. You've got to see a panel of doctors. You've got to go to different hospitals for different kinds of tests. You've And for me, I was running between uh, Brisbane City through to Gold Coast and back again so the M1 highway uh, was just... I spent loads of time in a car. Yes, you would have. And there, there's a whole... It's not a case of just being diagnosed and then that's it. You, there's, a, there's a lot of uh, appointments that you have to go to, a lot of different scans and tests, and sometimes that can be at multiple hospitals, not just one place. And so, that, is that even before you start treatment? That Yes. Wow. Yes, that's before you start treatment. And, of course, in amongst all of us, getting ready to let our family know and, and, um, and our church, church team as well and our church. So there was a lot going on. So you move into a very, very busy time of life. Yeah, and your very, very busy and stressful time of life was made even more complicated um, through a number of factors, one of those being you were still the senior pastors of the church. And yes. so I believe you, Annie, pretty much kept the place running. Yes, I did. I was. Um, I showed up. I think almost every Sunday, and uh, I believe I I preached many of those Sundays, and decided not to be absent from the church. Decided that I would be very visible, and we'd made a faith stand. You know, we'd we'd made a real stand that Byron would come through this, and so to me, Sunday services were a real opportunity to. To just enter into a time of worship with, with, with church family, and and uh, and knowing that this journey is not done alone, but we do it together. Mm. And so, not only did you have the the strength and companionship and the faith of your your children, but also your church family as well. So, it's amazing. I would get to church on a Sunday, and the worship songs that we can sing with such familiarity took on a whole different meaning. Yes. And uh, one of those worship songs, I, I don't know whether you're familiar with it, but it's, it's that song that says the name above all names. That song became almost an anthem to me because I thought there was a name 
that is greater than the name of cancer. Mm. Yeah. Mm. One of the more um, down-to-earth aspects of your busyness as well was that two weeks before Byron's diagnosis, you had signed a contract on building a house. <laughs> yeah, we did. We signed a building contract. We, we, we had owned some land for a while and... And so I was committed also to building a house and, and so I did that from start to finish. <laughs> How on earth did you survive this period? It was insane. It was absolutely insane. I can remember times Byron would be in intensive care and I'd get a, a message on my phone from a plumber or an electrician or or somebody wanting me to make a, a decision on where to put a PowerPoint and I thought, if only you knew where I was right now, yeah. I'd be you know in an intensive care ward and... I'm, I'm being asked to choose where a PowerPoint is going. It, it just seemed to be like extremes. You know, you were just dealing with extremes all the time. But in, in one sense, too, it was therapeutic because I could leave an intensive care ward where Byron was fighting for life and and go and do something that was just not really that important. But it, it almost like caused me to change pace a little bit and to just give me something else to focus on other than hospital. Mm, yes, that's true. In some ways, it was a blessing in disguise. Hey? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Never thought that choosing paint colours could be so therapeutic. <laughs> it, it it lightened, you know, it lightened a very heavy, heavy, um, heavy scene that we were in at that time. Yeah, Byron, let's come back to you. Um, Anne mentioned earlier that you took a, a very strong faith stand. Uh, was that something that you felt prompted to do, or where was your faith in in all of this? You know, my my faith, I don't think was the was the was the the foundation stone of it. Um, there were times when I I thought, well, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the end for me. And there were other times where I felt, you know, no, I'm going to fight this. And so there were hills and valleys of emotions that went on. But the thing that helped me the most was was my my kids and of course Anne. Um, they had no doubt. And when I saw the fact that they were so adamant about the fact that I was going to survive, um, I actually started to believe it myself. Uh, they were so positive and they were so, um, you know, faith-filled that I thought, well, maybe they're right. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I will pull through this. Yeah. Which is awesome, and it's wonderful that you have pulled through, obviously, and God does heal people miraculously and also through the power of modern medicine. It's wonderful. I'm also just thinking about people who have had such wonderful faith in God that God would heal, and um, and even you know Phil Camden says, look, God is an almighty God. I've got this terminal illness. If he wants to, he can heal me on the spot, and I'll be fine. How do you, I guess, reconcile that with you know the sovereignty of God? Well, I, I remember one night, uh, it was actually uh, Boxing Day evening in um, uh, that year, 2008, and I thought that was my last night on earth. I, I was in ICU, um, I'd had uh, contracted septicemia, um, and I, uh, they'd put me in the little room off to the side of the ICU that's very private and very, um, you know, hidden because I, I think... I think they didn't think I was going to make it uh, through the night. And, you know, I, I, I was in that room and I, I remember uh, very clearly that, that I spoke to the Lord and I said, Lord, 
I don't, I don't know if this is my last night. But the one thing I do know is that I love you. I just love the Lord. And that was the only thing that I could hold on to was the fact that I knew in my heart that this, this amazing, transforming God that gave me a chance in life, you know, when I was 25 years of age, um, gave me a brand new start. Um, regardless of the outcome, all I knew was that I just love the Lord and I was mm. okay with that. Mm. Yeah, and you didn't get to go and meet him that night, but um, you can continue serving him here on earth. If you say um, God gave you a brand new start at the age of 25, he gave you a brand new start in this life when uh, you recovered from the cancer and also when you had a heart attack uh, not too long after that. So how many lives are you going to have? Are you aiming for nine or what? Well, I think, I think I'm pushing the limit. Um, in 2012, actually it was 9-11, so I'll never forget that day. Yeah. Um, I was having a great round of golf that was, uh, that was interrupted by a cardiac arrest. Oh, they and, get in the uh, way, don't they? Oh, they do. Um, <laughs> I, sadly, I never finished the round. I got to the 17th hole, but I couldn't push through any further. <laughs> oh, for goodness sake. And, get yourself uh, to a hospital, Byron. So they rushed me <laughs> off to emergency and they put a stint in straight away and, uh, kept me in hospital for a few days um, and it was four days later and they were going to take me off the monitor and the doctor, he said, look, is it, does anybody else need it? And the nurse said, no, 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 we're good. He said, I'll just leave it on another day. And those words, uh, I'll never forget them because that very next day I was sitting in my chair and my heart just stopped oh, and wow. I just passed away. And the, the monitor registered out in reception and, of course, it was a code blue in the hospital and they ran the crash card in. I mean, I, I wasn't there to see it, but um, they brought me back with the, uh, you know, with the defibrillator. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know how many more I got left, but <laughs> I, I certainly know um, significantly at that, at that moment that God had saved me for a purpose. Yeah, I, I don't really understand what that purpose is. I just have an overwhelming knowledge that this last time my life was saved, that it that it was for something significant, and uh, I'm I'm excited about that. I don't know what it is just yet, but I'll know when it unfolds, and I, I know God's hand is on it. Yeah. Yeah, he's got you alive for a purpose, as he's got everyone alive for a purpose. If you're living and you're breathing, then he's got uh, something that he wants you to achieve in this life. That's right. There yeah. have been some positives coming out of this major ordeal for you and your family and your church. Tell us about some of the great things that have actually happened, kind of as a result of this hardship. I think you'll find that that when you go through something that is life-threatening like that, um, everyone in your world all of a sudden starts to recognise, wait a minute, you know, we are mortal. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we start to see what is really valuable in life. And, you know, all of the, the career aspirations or the bank balance or the whatever really goes out the window and, and what becomes really valuable is other people that you do life with. And I know for Anne and I, we've uh, we've been married, you know, 35 years now. And uh, 
you know, we've always had a great marriage, but we were closer in that time. It just draws you closer. My kids were closer. Um, you know, we were fighting a battle together, and it, it welds you like nothing else. Our church grew, um, you know, over a hundred people without me being there. Um, so it might have been a good church strategy, uh, growth, growth strategy. Um, our church family bonded together. Uh, we were all in the trenches, you know, fighting for my life. And even though it was a tough season, there's so much good that came out of it. God turns it around for good. Well, our time is up, unfortunately, this morning. But uh, thank you so much for telling just a snippet of your story. I know there's many decades worth that we could have gone into, but... Thank you for sharing about your journey, particularly with the health concerns and how that's affected you. I trust it will be a real insight and an encouragement to people listening this morning, especially people who are walking a similar journey themselves. Thank you for your time this morning. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. That was Shelley Scowen chatting with pastors Byron and Anne Graham from the Gold Coast and finding out their incredible story of going through several health challenges and Byron having several brushes with death. But as we heard, God was with them through it all, working in their lives and helping them to overcome. As it says in the Bible, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. It's from Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Well, thanks for joining us for Byron and Anne's story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. We were just in bed one night going over all that had happened and I guess evaluating it. And God gave me a vision of a little girl. She looked to be about the age of eight with long plaits in her hair running through a daisy field. And it was very, very clear this little voice said to me, don't cry, mummy, I'm not in pain. And even though we were broken and, you know, our dreams were shattered, we knew where she was. And the confidence in that is we know we'll see her again. Wendy Cook had a dream that she would one day be the mother of four children. What she didn't know was that she would have two miscarriages. She shares the grief and heartache that she and her husband went through, but also tells her story of healing. Next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.